Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah 8, and I'll meet you there in just a moment. Well, I, I think I can uh, be presumptuous here and uh, speak on behalf of the congregation and say, you know, it's, I know that, uh, that Chris and Nikki have been here just a little longer than we have, and uh, I believe that they are a blessing to this congregation. I think that's, uh, uh, they seem to want to work a lot, and, and of course, uh, uh, Chris has gotten up and lead, leading singing for us, and you know, that's just a, that's just a great thing. You know, you've, you've got people that are willing to get involved, and and, uh, you know, not to go without mentioning the rest of us, you know, we need to be involved as well. You know, we, uh, we all can be commended if we are involved. And so that, that's just something that we need to, need to bring out this time. So I'm thankful for, for the brethren here and uh, just, just the fellowship that we all have together. And we get to come together and worship God and, and visit with each other. And so I'm just, I'm just thankful for uh, the opportunities that we have. Um, last week, starting on Sunday morning, we uh, had a sermon about what uh, biblical preaching is. Now, that is you know, part of a series of sermons that we're going through right now. And the first thing that we mentioned was what? You know, it's, you, know you look at Ezra 7 and verse 10. And Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and ordinances. And so... The first thing that we have to do is we have to prepare our hearts to seek the law of the Lord. That is the very first thing, thing that we have to do. And a part of that is understanding that whatever we find, whatever we find in Scripture, we have to make up our mind already that we are going to do whatever it says. And I know this is silly, but I, I've said quite often that, you know, if, if the Lord said in, in you know, the Word of God... Don't eat spaghetti on Thursdays. Guess what we don't need to do? We just don't need to eat spaghetti on Thursdays. It just, it can be very specific. But what we need to do is we need to just prepare ourselves to seek the law of the Lord. Now, we mentioned last week that that is the preacher's job for himself, but it's also for the individual listening to the sermon. Uh, A person needs to have their heart prepared to take in whatever message is being preached, if as long as it's the truth, obviously. And they take that message and they'll apply it to themselves. And then they're, they're ready to do it. That's what a person needs to do. And so, and not only that, we talked about how a person would then need to go on to preach and to teach to others. That is the essence of Ezra 7.10. So, the first thing we see in this idea of biblical preaching is... Everyone needs to prepare their hearts. Prepare your heart to seek the law of the Lord. Now, we're getting, we're getting to this next point. Now, I, I want to point this out. We talk a lot of times uh, about all sorts of different uh, kinds of sermons out there. You know, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, when you get into it, and, and maybe it is you're not uh, familiar with the, the terminology, but you... You think about the different kinds of sermons, and, and you can get an exegetical kind of a sermon, an exegesis where you're pulling things out of the Scripture. And you're taking the Scripture, and you're putting it in its context, and you're explaining it as it is. And another type of preaching that goes right along with that uh, is textual sermons, where you take a text, and you stay inside that text. 
and you you preach from that text and you make application from that text and and there's a little more leeway given in that than there was previously as far as an, an exegesis is concerned and then a third type of preaching that is is uh, done is is a topical sermon and so I want to go through and look at the scriptures and see you know are, are we doing what's right by teaching the way that we teach are we lining up the way we teach with the way God's word commands us to teach that that is the key are we doing what God wants us to do while we're teaching I, I don't believe it's enough for us to say well I'm, I'm going to get the truth down and I want to teach the truth without regarding anything that the Bible says clearly about biblical preaching. Now, this goes to the Bible class teacher, too. You can use some of these same thoughts uh, in, in teaching Bible class. So we're, what we're going to do, we're going to define it, and then we're going to do it. Okay. So that's what we're going to do tonight. Uh, look at Nehemiah 8 and verse 8. Nehemiah 8 and verse 8. It says, And they read in the book and the law of God distinctly, and they gave the sense so that they understood the reading. Now, there are some very, very simple points here to make. This is very much a passage about biblical preaching. It says, And they read in the book and the law of God distinctly. Now, what does that mean? Now, that word distinctly actually has several meanings. I'm, I'm not as familiar with the Hebrew as I am with the Greek. Uh, one of the tricky things about Hebrew, to me, it's easy to a lot of people I know. They say it's easier than Greek, but to me it's not. But, you know, you look at Hebrew and you have a word. And there are actually a lot fewer words in Hebrew than there are in, in uh, well, many other languages. But especially that compared to Greek, there is, I believe, only about 15,000 words in uh, this classic Hebrew. And so you're looking at that. That's not a whole lot to memorize. But you know what is? There's a lot to memorize in the senses and the tenses that come into play. Because there are various tenses that go along with that same word. And whereas we use a, a word uh, to describe several different things in the English language, uh, the Hebrews did the same thing, except when they use this tense, the tense determines what the meaning is supposed to be. And so when you're looking at this word distinctly, you have a couple of different options. Now, the root really comes in into play here, I think, because what it is saying is to speak extemporaneously about something, about a text. And so what, what does that mean? It means, well, it's, it's talking about doing something without notes, knowing something so well that, that you're going to be able to delve into that passage. Now, is that the exact point? I don't really think so. I think that's a part of it. But I think that the word here uh, can be used, as we see in the King James Version, as clearly, as distinctly. But the, there's another sense in which it could be taken, and that is to break into parts. Have you ever noticed that whenever you are uh, talking about something, you can look at the big picture, and sometimes the big picture can be rather cumbersome, right? Well, when you look at this passage... If you try to break something into parts, it can be easier to digest, right? You know, you don't take a, take a person first day on the job and just say, here, have at it, right? 
What do you do? You know, this is, this is what you need to do, and this is what you need to do, and we're going to graduate you into this. You know, that, that's just what normally happens. So when you're looking at this idea of biblical preaching, it is that they, first of all, they're breaking it down. They're making sure that it's clear. It says, and they read in the book, in the law of God, distinctly. And they gave the sense. Now, this is very interesting when you start looking into this passage because, you know, what is happening here quite possibly is this. They may have been reading this in Hebrew, which is what it was written in. They may have been reading it in Hebrew, and the people may have only really have understood things like Aramaic. They may have only spoken a, they may have spoken a different tongue altogether. Some people would have been totally unfamiliar with it. So that, that could be a possibility, but I think a more realistic thing and more applicable is this. They read the book, and then they said what it meant. They just said, this is, this is it. This is what we're talking about. Here's the text. This is what it means. Makes it pretty simple, right? So they read a passage, said, here's what it means. And it says, as, as we look on here, it says, And they read in the book and the law of God distinctly, and they gave the sense so that they understood the reading. Now, when I look at this, I, I've, I've got to mention this. I have, I have complained about this for, for years. I'm sure I'll complain about this for several more years. But I'm telling you what, uh, it just drives me nuts when a preacher gets up and he preaches and he preaches and he preaches and he's preached all this time and you come down to the end and there's no application. Well, I am so thankful that you just taught me about the parables and what they meant. Thank you very much. What in the world does that mean for me? What does that mean? Because, see, the, the Word of God, as we know it, is living and active, right? And so it has application for today. So when Jesus is talking about a parable, you know, think about you know, Luke 15. You're talking about the parable of, of the lost things. And so when, when you're thinking about that, what does it mean? What does it mean? Because I have to know what it means for me to understand how it applies to me. How does it apply to me? What is it that, you know, we can talk about its meaning all day long, but without application. What, what good has a sermon done for us? What good? Brethren, <laughs> you've seen people before. I know you have. And I'll tell you right now, I, I know this is strong language, but... I have no respect for academics in the Word of God. Academics alone. I have no respect for that. Let's, let's see how much knowledge we can accrue about the Word of God. That's great. We've got to apply it. We, we are not wise unless we do it. We have to not only understand the Word, and it's good to know those facts. I don't have a problem with that. I think it's good. If you want to memorize all the kings, go ahead. But try to figure out what all those people mean in the long run. Why is it important? Because it is in the Word of God, it is important. 
So we see very important points here. Biblical preaching is this. You read out of the word of God. You help everybody to understand what they've just read. And then you apply it. That is biblical preaching, plain and simple. That is what everything should be about. We need to not only look into the Word of God, we need to understand it, and then we need to apply it. Those three things. So let's give an example. Let's do that right now. Oh, technically we've already done it, but let's do some more, okay? Let's do some more. Let's look at verse 1 and following. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the broad place that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which Jehovah had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the broad uh, place that was before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and of those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law of God. And so what do we see here? First of all, they've called out. They've called out for the word of God. They want to see it. They want to hear it. They want to read it. They want to have it for themselves. So Ezra comes out. He brings out the law of God and he is speaking to them. Now, I'm going to say this. Look at this. What did we see in verse 3? And he read therein before the broad place that was before the water gate from early morning until midday. So what did he do? He got out there and he started teaching. And, you know, when we're talking early morning, let's just, let's give it a conservative, okay? Let's go conservative here. So how long did he teach? Conservatively, he spoke for three hours. More realistically, he probably spoke for five or six. Now, when you think about that, what's the importance then? What is the importance of that? He got out, he spoke, he was teaching the word of God. And he did it for a long period of time. Now, how does that apply to us? Oh, here he comes. I don't know how many times I've seen people and they're thinking, well, you know, worship ends at. No, we don't have an end time out there. I, don't, I didn't see one, did you? Worship doesn't end at a specific time. Now, worship begins at a specific time. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to worship until it's done. And that's it. You know, I've, I'm telling you, this is, you're going to laugh. You know, I, I will tell this from time to time. I was working with a congregation as a youth minister. And uh, there's, this, there's this man, he was an elder. And, uh, you know, poor guy, he just, uh, he just did not get it. And he would sit there and, you know, you're getting close to the to noon or whatever. And he's going. <clears throat> <clears throat> he's just going to clear his throat, raise his arm in the air, look at his watch and keep looking at the preacher. And I, you know, he would then he gets to the point he'd start. <clears throat> he just 
doing everything he could. And I remember, I don't remember who did it, um, but somebody was speaking and they said, Ralph, we hear you. That's it. We're going on. Brethren, that, that's the way it needs to be, is that we're just going to go on. We're going to preach. Now, you, you think about this, and hey, some, some people say, well, you know, uh, your mind can only take what your rear end can handle. You know, it'll only take in what, what the rear end can, can handle. So what are they saying? Well, as long as I can sit down, that's all my mind's going to be able to take. Now, I can understand that in certain aspects, right? I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to last very long in a discussion on physics. Okay, If I'm in a physics lecture, I'm probably asleep within seven minutes. You know, that's just not one of my things. I'm not going to enjoy that. I might, if, I, if I really tried, I might last a little, probably eight minutes. But it's just, it's just not going to be a thing for me. I'm not going to enjoy that. But when we're Christians, we should enjoy the Word of God, right? Amen. We should love the Word of God. And if we love the Word of God, how long are we going to be able to sit there? Well, you know, as long as, as uh, you know, your rear end can take it. Got a suggestion. Let's look at the next verse, huh? Let's look at the following verses. It says, And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah and Shema and Aniah and Uriah, Hilkiah and Messiah. And on his right hand, on the left hand, Padiah and Mishael and Malchijah and Hashem and Hashbadana, Zechariah and Meshulam. And Ezra, well, listen to this, verse 5, And Ezra... Open the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, what did the people do? All the people stood. Brethren, if you've got a problem with sitting down, and the sermon's going a little long for your rear end to be able to take, you are more than welcome to stand up. You know what? I, that might be preferable in cases. Now, why did they do this? That's another good question. Why did they stand was it because they were tired of sitting down? No. Why did they stand? They stood out of reverence. The word of God was being read. They hungered and thirsted for it. And out of reverence they stood. Now, brethren, does that mean that we have to stand? I don't, I don't think so. I don't see anywhere in Scripture where it says that we need to stand up. But this is a very good example for us. Now, why is that? It is to respect the Word of God. It saddens me to, to mention this, but uh, one time I was working with a congregation. I was, a, again, I was a youth minister. And I was leading singing. And there was, this, there was a couple of college kids in the back, and they were just talking it up and leading a song. And, and they just, in the middle of the song, just turned around. I mean, I've got backs to me. And they're just having a conversation right there. And uh, I was thinking, what is going on? 
And then I look out into the foyer, and there is a group of men just standing out and talking. Do you know how discouraging it is to get up and to preach and know that there are people like that out there? Where is the reverence for God? It's very lacking, isn't it, there? And you know what, brethren? That is not the only place I've seen stuff like that happen. You go to most congregations these days, and you're going to find the good old boys club somewhere. In most congregations. I don't know that we have one here, but in most congregations, you've got somebody that just goes and they stand out and they just talk throughout the service. Is that reverence for God? Brethren, you look at these people and when the book was open, they stood. They stood because they love God. They stood because His Word was being read. And they stood because that was what they were going to do. They were going to abide in the Word of the Lord. Verse 6, And Ezra blessed Jehovah, the, God, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up of their hands, and they bowed their heads and worship Jehovah with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua and Benai and Sherebiah, Jamin, Achab, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Maasiah, and Kalita, Azariah, Jozabad, Hanan, Peliah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So all these men spoke, and they were teaching. And what did these people do? They stood there. They waited to hear it. Now, I remember back when I was a teenager, uh, one of the things that, uh, that, that, you know, personally I would do, uh, see, I wasn't very spiritually minded, have you? When I was, you know, 13, 14, 15 yeah, in that age range, and so I, I didn't, I, I did not pay attention to the sermon. So you know what I did is I'd make sure that uh, I would time a bathroom break somewhere in there. Yeah, go go in, you know, fifteen minutes. Hey, you know, I can get out of here and go use the bathroom, get a drink of water, take my time. I'll come back in here, and before I know it, the invitation will be be given. I'll be out of this place before you know it. That's definitely not the right attitude to have, is it? Uh, I, I, I tell you, there's there's a one uh, congregation where I uh, I had a friend, and he said that uh, he's he's a little more forthright than than I am. And, and there was a young person that just kept getting up and and going to the bathroom, and he he walked up to him afterward and said, "Are you okay?" <laughs> I said, "Well." Yeah, I'm fine. He said, oh, man, I thought you had something wrong with you. Well, why would you think that? He said, well, 
I thought that you had the bladder of an eight-year-old girl for a minute. He's like, well, what would you say there? He's like, you got up literally four times during the sermon. Now, surely, surely that is not in the, the scope of a healthy, healthy urinary tract for a young person. You know, when you think about this, brethren, when the word was being taught, they were staying. They wanted to hear it. Now, I understand this. I mean, I've got, I've got little ones. I understand that, you know, my wife is always constantly having to take out our young ones because she's trying to train them, you know. She's trying to get them to uh, understand, of course, uh, our littlest one is far beyond training at this point. Uh, but we have a, a, another, another one, the next up, who, who, uh, who needs to learn. And so she's doing that. Now, is that what we're talking about? No, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about parents having to discipline. We're not talking about, you know, if you're feeling sick and you need to get up. But what we are talking about is making sure that our priorities are set. Are we truly here to worship God? Are we going to study His Word? Are we going to hear His Word preached? And of course, we've come down to to this, verse 8. And they read in the book and the law of God distinctly, and they gave the sense so that they understood the reading. Now, I love this next passage. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto Jehovah your God, more not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Have you ever longed for the word as much as this? Have you ever longed to hear some good biblical preaching? Brethren, we need to love the Lord our God enough that we are going to starve for it if we have to. We're going we're gonna to go, we're going to hunger, we're going to thirst after his word, and, and we're going to desire it. Going back to a sermon we, we talked about here recently in, in Psalm 1. We'll refer back to that often. Because we're talking about the blessed man. And the blessed man in verse 1, it shows some things that he does not do. But then in verse 2, it says something that he does do. And he meditates on the law of the Lord day and night because of this one thing. Because he delights in it. Do we delight in the law of the Lord? I hope you do. Maybe you're sitting here tonight and you're thinking, I've got to make things right with the Lord. I know that I have not been the kind of Christian I ought to be, and you have an opportunity to make things right. Maybe it is that, that you just need some prayers. We'll be glad to pray for you. Maybe you have not yet become a Christian. You'd like to 
you'd like to become one today. And we'll be glad to help you out. And so if there's anybody that needs to respond to the invitation, please come as we stand as we sing. I was sinking deep in sin, part of the people's shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, from the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me, all my heart to Him I give, ever to Him I'll cling. In His blessed presence live, ever His praises sing. Love so mighty and so true, merits my soul's best songs. Faithful, loving service to, to Him belongs. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. In danger, look above, Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by his love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea, billows his will obey. He, your Savior, wants to be, be saved today. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Amen. Be seated, please. Our song to help prepare our minds for the uh, Lord's Supper this evening will be number 645. Six four five. <clears throat> On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame, and I Oh. 
Brendan, will you lead us in prayer for the fruit of the vine, please? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this another chance that we have to come and worship you. And we ask the blessings on the couples we partake of. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. The offering plate will be left here if you'd like to give to the church. You may do so after we finish up here tonight. Thank you. Stay as we sing our closing song, number 984. 984. And then if you would remain standing for the closing prayer. creation and Lord of my life, Lord of the land and the sea. You were Lord of the heavens before there was time, and Lord of all, Lord, you will be. We bow down and we worship you, Lord, we bow down and we worship you, Lord, we bow down and we worship you, Lord. Lord of all, Lord, you will be. You are King of creation and King of my life, King of the land and the sea. You were King of the heavens before there was time, and King of all kings you will be. We bow down.